You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you can get podcasts. This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a post-Super Bowl edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. Baseball is on the clock, except for it's absolutely not because nobody's moving in either direction. Like We were given all that promising stuff about the Saturday meeting between the two sides. That meeting was like 18 minutes long. Uh, it resulted in the players moving like an inch and the owners moving like an inch, but nobody moved anywhere. So we still don't have baseball, but we still have baseball to talk about. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us those five-star reviews. Drop us those mailbag questions. We'll be more than happy to answer any cues you have in those reviews. And again, leave us only five stars. Four stars is kind, uh, but nobody wants a 4.78 star Uber pulling up to grab them anywhere. So just hit us with those five stars. We're going to be talking Luke Voigt. He doesn't want to go away just yet. We keep trading him. Rob Manfred tries to trade him. We try <laughs> to get him to a National League team, uh, but he's not ready to leave. He still thinks he's the Yankees' first base. We're going to break down just how likely that is, how delusional Voigt himself is, and why we feel bad for the whole situation. Also, Luis Severino giving a little update on his progress as he leaves the labor talks. We feel good about that, but we can't trust that necessarily is somebody entering the Matt Olson trade talks probably not I don't really think that we have to uh, address it as a serious rumor but people are talking so is a not very good team from the American League about to jump in front of the Yankees on Matt Olson and what Trevor Story had to say about his positional change that will greatly affect the Yankees ability to pursue him Thomas Carinante welcome to the podcast did you uh, come out ahead or behind yesterday uh, behind, uh, announcement as well. Uh, done with sports betting forever. Yeah. Why um, wouldn't you be done with sports betting? Forever? It's over. No um, it's not fun. It's just not fun anymore. Uh, to those folks out there, um, who are just starting cause now it's becoming legal and people are having a great time. You download the apps, you get a couple free bucks. You're throwing it around. Um, I could not handle another loss. I had the Bengals last night. Um, I'm not really sour grapes about it. Um, but to lose on that holding call on Cooper cup, 
just a bad call. Refs had not been coming out all game, and then that's the one that they're going to make to give them a fresh set of downs. Mm-hmm. That was pass interference on the goal line. We will, I, I'm, I, sure. I, I will admit that. But uh, ticky tack holding call to continue the game. Um, very underwhelming comeback. Wasn't you didn't feel anything with that. Um, and that was the that was the nail in the coffin. I've had enough bad beats this year for um, a lifetime, and uh, you know, time to hang them up. Sometimes you're just not meant for this kind of life. And I think that's the road that I took um, unceremoniously for a few years, and I'm done. So, uh, yeah, don't listen to those content creators uh, deciding to give you their best bets of the week in front of their refrigerator or behind their bathroom mirror um, because it's all a scam, and you're probably not going to win. And if you are betting, you're probably betting in smaller amounts. You're not seeing a big enough return for the amount of time you're wasting um, sinking into, you know, all the stress and, you know, paying attention to games you otherwise don't give a shit about. Um, So that's my... That's my TED talk for the day. Um, I wasn't overwhelmed with the Super Bowl. I thought the first three quarters were pretty good, and then the fourth quarter kind of just like annoyed me. I thought it was back and forth annoyance, um, and th- th- there was no clear better team in that game to me. It was like nobody was doing enough the entire time. Um, but hey, congrats to the Rams. Uh, Yankees did not win the Super Bowl, guys. Uh, not sure no. if you're rooting for the Yankees yesterday, but they were unable to come on top. Uh, disappointing time for Cowboys fans, as all the haters would say. Um, oh, I loved that! Is such a, a funny joke. It's a good one. It's funny because uh, <laughs> it never gets updated. It's just, it's never like the joke is that we're all bandwagoners. Like we love the Yankees and we love the Cowboys. Like it's not the good teams. If it were an updated joke, it would be like the Red Sox and the Warriors. And it's also never the Warriors. It's always the Lakers who've sucked for 20 years and the Cowboys who've sucked since 1996. So what's the, why aren't the bulls involved? If it's nineties teams, it's like two thousands teams. I've never understood the hilarious joke. Um, I don't think that there's probably like 15 Yankees, Lakers, Cowboys fans on earth. Um, And, and a sad day for all of them because their teams were absolutely not involved in the super bowl. Let's talk about something in reality. I like reality Um, better. Yeah. Let's talk about reality because Luke Voigt did talk to uh, the New York post. This weekend, and uh, I don't think Luke Voigt is going to be the Yankees' first baseman. I think that there was a way for the Yankees to use Luke Voigt along with Anthony Rizzo down the stretch last year with a team that lacked offense with a 120 OPS-plus guy in Voigt who was not a superior defender but who was not completely unplayable either like Gleyber Torres was at short. Uh, Rizzo goes down with COVID, misses like 10 days. Voigt comes in, wins player of the week, sitting 400. And then they have a chance to juggle the two guys down the stretch, and Boyd basically doesn't play. He pinch hits in the eighth inning of random games. They're losing 7-1. The Yankees go out of their way to make it clear they don't view him as the first baseman of the future. Voigt talks to the Post this week, uh, and uh, the, the article is called Luke Voigt Awaits His Yankees' Fate as Lockout Continues. Right now, Luke Voigt is the only first baseman on the team's depth chart, unless you count DJ LeMahieu, which you can count if you want, but I'd much rather not do that because no contender has a sort of, uh, un, you know, DJ LeMahieu in 2019 and 2020, different guy than 2021. Mm-hmm. Slap hitter last year, very little power. Had a better year than you're probably remembering because he was roughly league average, but we need him to be an MVP caliber dude. And having a roughly league average, slightly below bat, fighting off, a, you know, a core muscle issue at first base. And that's just not the position where you want to throw DJ LeMahieu. No. So uh, taking him off the depth chart, which I'm just going to do, I'm, I'm just going to rip him right off the depth chart. I, I don't care anymore. Um Void was asked about his chances of being the Yankees starting first base on an opening day. He said, quote, I expect to. I'm the only first baseman on the depth chart right now. Again, agreed, Luke. But 
that just can't mean anything based on the way that they treated him down the stretch last year. He also said, quote, I want to play first base for the Yankees. If that happens, great. If not, I'll go somewhere else. So every quote makes it seem like, despite how they treated him last year, his first choice is still to stay in the Bronx. And again, we talked about this last week. Before the 2021 season, I would have been shocked if you would have told me that Voight's future not only was not in pinstripes, but would be so short in pinstripes that we'd already be assuming he would have been ousted before the 2022 season. Last year, I thought he was an intrinsic part of this future when he said he hadn't had extension conversations yet with the team. I sort of just thought, oh, I mean, of course, he's got a ton of years of control. I don't know why the Yankees would get ahead of that, I guess, if they didn't have to. Uh, So no need to stress about it. I'm sure they'll talk about it in two years. Well, now it's very obvious uh, they value defense more than they used to, maybe. Uh, I agree with valuing defense, but uh, again, for the millionth time, I will say that last year's Yankees did not have enough offense. Luke Voigt was one of like four people providing enough offense. Rizzo was also one of those guys, so you don't want to take him out of the lineup for Voigt. But there's a way to put Stanton in the outfield more often. He thrived whenever he was out there. You move Joey Gallo to center. You leave Brett Gardner on the bench, Judge and Wright. Uh, occasionally give Judge a day off his feet in the DH spot, and then obviously you would lose Voight, but he gets to play more often than not, DHing while Rizzo plays first. Rizzo coming back from COVID, doesn't look quite the same, can't breathe. Give him a DH day, put Voight back at first. But regardless, September for Voight looked like extreme part-time duty, and uh, the Yankees had an opportunity to juggle two hot bats, and they instead put one of the hot bats on the bench and made him unhot. So we, we talked about this last week in terms of, Manford opening the door to the universal DH, opening the door to several Voight trade destinations. Voight still wants to be here. I think that's interesting because I wouldn't want to be here if I were him. But this is all sort of fruitless because I don't think there's any chance that he's still atop that barren depth chart on opening day. I agree. Um, and I feel bad. I feel bad for Luke Voigt. I feel bad for us because we kind of talk about this like probably once every three episodes. And I feel bad for yeah. the listeners because you have to keep hearing about this shit. Um, and that's what this lockout's doing to you. It's breaking brains and it's not making us feel good. Um, but it is a worthwhile topic of conversation. Um, I think Luke Voigt is smart to come out and say what he said because, hey, you don't want to destroy your trade value anymore at this point. No. Um, and say something disparaging to make it look like the Yankees, you know, are you and the Yankees are on a have a bad situation and then it makes it more difficult to trade him. And then he's put in an unfavorable situation where he's, you know, bouncing around the bench and what he was doing down the stretch last year, being put in, uh, you know, a pinch hitting situation after sitting on the bench for three straight days or, um, you know, getting in the lineup for the first time in five days, not getting, not being able to get into a rhythm and then being seemingly penalized for that lack of production. Um, And uh, it sucks because, to me, this is the weirdest positional um, situation that we've kind of seen with the Yankees over over these last few years. So, right, so the Yankees have been willing to sacrifice defense for offense for just yeah. about everybody. Guys, for a portion of last year, remember we watched it and and our brains atrophied as a result. Miguel Andujar and Clint Frazier were playing the corner spots in the outfield. <laughs> That's really bad. It's bad for just about any team, um, and it's 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 pretty despicable for a team like the New York Yankees who have the resources to not get in that type of position, even if the first line of your better players kind of you know goes down from injury or needs a day off or you know whatever whatever happens with that first line of talent, 
your next line should probably not be those guys with how bad they were on defense and throw in the kicker here. They were bad on offense. Even when they got consistent playing time, they were unable to get into a consistent yeah. rhythm. Um, they were unable to do anything of note. I think Clint Frazier had one clutch hit. Miguel Andujar had his one moment in Minnesota where he blasted that one into the upper deck. And you were like, wow, there's that 2018 power and nothing really ever returned. I understand. Um, I understand both of those guys were in tough situations. Um, I'm not denying that you know, life is a big league player, especially when you're kind of getting foot flop back and forth and dealing with injuries is not easy. I'm not belittling that whatsoever, but you know, the Yankees have given a lot more leeway to players who are oft injured. You want to talk about oft injured players? Um, this roster has been littered with them since 2017. I hate them. I hate them. I don't want to yeah. talk about them. And now apparently Luke Voigt's defense and his injury proneness is far too much for the Yankees front office to handle. And they've seemingly drawn this line when Luke Voigt has been nothing but an asset when he's been healthy and in the lineup. And that the same cannot be said for others who have been flip-flopping between the injured list and the starting lineup or even the bench. So um, I, I don't understand what the thought process is here with the Yankees front office or what they're trying to look. I get what they're trying to do. Matt Olson and Freddie Freeman are exponential upgrades. And those are the moves that you make. This is also a symptom of the Yankees front office constructing this lineup, very right-handed heavy for whatever reason, and having to dig themselves out of a hole at the trade deadline as a result um, by acquiring Anthony Rizzo and Joey Gallo Joey Gallo, who may or may not be a fit, we will see at this point. And Anthony Rizzo, who is a free agent, and now they're kind of treating like a plan C, which also is not really a good look for a guy who just kind of contributed to your team in a positive fashion um, during the last two months of the season. So um, I I think you're right. I don't think Luke Voigt is on this opening day roster. Um, I think it's... I think we have to commend him for speaking, you know, candidly. And and I maybe, uh, hey, maybe he does want to be the first baseman of the Yankees. He seemingly had a good time here since he was acquired from the Cardinals. He's done nothing but produce, like I said, when he's been able to be on the field. So um, I'll be rooting for Luke Voigt wherever he goes. I don't think he's, I don't think he's going to be with us next year. I also don't blame him for wanting to be here. I'm sure he's established a lot of relationships and forged a lot of relationships with guys on this roster. Um, and it's tough to move on. You know, you want your situation to remain fluid. You want your setting to remain constant. It makes life easier for you as a performer. Um, but he's not going to be here. Commend the comments. Um, it just sucks with what it is. And if he's not going to be here, the upgrade better be of the Freeman or Olsen variety, or else I I think there's going to be a problem. I think fans will have the right to be very frustrated if that's not the case. We've talked about this a million times that, you know, Miguel Andujar is learning the position on the fly. He's playing left field for the first time in his life. Every time there's a fly ball to left field, you're like, ooh, does he know how to track it? Like, you're wondering (laughs) if he knows the things that you learn when you're eight. So, like, the the fact that the Yankees are willing to put up with that for the potential additional offensive advantage, but we're not willing to put up with Luke Voigt at any point down the stretch. Again, in the DH role, too. Like, stand in left, Voigt at DH. We're not not saying Luke Voigt should supplant midseason acquisition Anthony Rizzo and earn his job back. But Voigt basically hit whenever he used consistently over the last several years. He led the American League in home runs in 2020. He was one of the best hitters in baseball in, in every sense prior to his massive internal injury in 2019, he was like an OBP God. He was like power. I mean, not speed, but like in like 290 with like 20 homers near the break and, you know, OBPing 390, 400. Like he was everything you could want in a first baseman that year. Nobody noticed the defense. And then he got hurt. 
didn't look like himself down the stretch at all and had offseason surgery to repair something extremely painful. So enough on Luke Voigt. I've, I don't want to, the thought that he will be back to be in my head anymore because I'll just get angrier again about how they used him down the stretch. And again, there was a one-week stretch in like August of last year when he was tearing the cover off the baseball, when every analyst around the league was saying, this guy was available at the deadline. The Yankees were r- willing to give him away. Nobody wanted him. Like, wow, the Yankees really made out like bandits here. They were able to keep a big bat on their roster that could have easily been poached by anybody else. Then the Yankees stopped using him, and now they're they're going to do it again. They're just like, oh, we failed to trade him last year. Thank God we get a second chance to trade him because you know everybody was giving us credit for keeping him on the roster, and now... You know, uh, we kicked the can a month and a half down the line, and now we're going to get a chance to trade him again. So how lucky are we that we can make the same as narrowly did last year for a second time? So I'm done with Luke Boyd. It's very sad. Uh, his future is not here. And he will, <laughs> if he's the first baseman at the top of the depth chart, that's really bad because uh, they won't use him, and they'll use Miguel Andujar. Now on to another guy that we can't necessarily trust. We want to. We really want to trust Luis Severino. Yeah. Uh, we wish Luis Severino ever turned. There's a way been orchestrated since the beginning of 2020 uh the severino contract that he signed has obviously been laughable for the yankees in a similar way to the aaron hicks deal 2018 he was wonderful he lost steam down the stretch uh 2019 he barely pitched he had like a shoulder impingement in spring and and then he came back and then he was hurt again and and then he came back at the very end of the year and could throw like four running starts and then he threw a you know a decent start on the road in minnesota in the playoffs bad against Houston. It turned out he had elbow pain in that series, naturally, unreported elbow pain, which I'm not sure what's worse, having unreported elbow pain or forgetting what time a playoff game starts. But luckily, we've seen both from Luis Severino. So we can really just compare very fairly, uh, just put one in each hand and go, which one of these sucked more? Uh, They were both very bad. But he apparently had elbow pain back then. We signed Garrett Cole. We we set him up as the one-two punch. And then he misses a day of spring training, some very helpful beat writers say it was just a, a hangover because it was his birthday the day before. And then he says, uh, yes, I am hungover, but also I have Tommy John surgery pain in my elbow. It's both. Again, it's two things. It's like, yeah, sure, I'm a little hungover, but more importantly, I need Tommy John surgery. Uh, he missed his 2020. He misses a good portion of 2021. He like appears to tear his groin off his body in a rehab stint. He actually didn't. I guess he could walk after that. Somehow he comes back is an ace out of the bullpen for like two and a half weeks at the end of the season. His his return to the field, I applauded. It was in the rain at Yankee Stadium against the Rangers. I was pretty confident that it was going to be too wet and he was going to tear his groin for real this time and, and land weird or something else horrible was going to happen to him. I say this not as somebody who dislikes Luis Severino or has any problem with him whatsoever. I love Luis Severino. I'm just doing the laundry list of things that have happened to him since 2018 including 2018 pre-injury when he slowed down in the second half and was throwing cement mixer sliders and was getting absolutely tattooed by the Mets in a in a start I remember very well. I came home from vacation to see him in the middle of one of his terrible stretches against the Mets at Yankee Stadium. He gave up home runs to everyone. He gave up a home run to Jose Batista, who was on the 2019 <laughs> Mets. Uh, I think it was four in a home loss uh, at Yankee Stadium in the Mets. It was awful. Um, he did not look like himself that entire uh, August and September stretch run. I thought he was injured then. He was clearly injured the next two years, two and a half years, three years. All this to say is that when Luis Severino leaves the union meeting and says he's feeling perfect and is preparing to be a starter, that's wonderful. 
and I hope he's my team's number two starter, but I trust his preparation for opening day just about as much as I trust Jamison Tyones at this point coming back from an ankle tendon tear surgery in that I hope he's in my rotation. I hope he's in my rotation all year. I don't know if there's any chance he throws more than, what, 140 innings? I mean, luckily he already had Tommy John. It's unlikely he's going to have two back-to-back. Unlikely, not impossible, unlikely. Uh, So there's that. It's almost like going back into public after you've just had Omicron being like, oh, I mean, I just had COVID already, so I guess I can throw 300 innings. Um, It's a little bit like that, but again, I'm glad he's preparing as a starter. The Yankees can't prepare for him as the number two starter. You need to bake in not just some insurance, but some valued insurance because there's a 25% chance he's the number two starter in a playoff rotation by September. Yeah, I, dude, these this situation is so tough because you never want to get mad at a player. It doesn't feel right to get mad at a player. We do, naturally, no. as fans, we're like, oh, we do, we do all the time. I was mad at a... Yeah. Yeah, I was mad at a lot of the, the Bengals yesterday. I was mad at Samaji P. Ryan. I, I get mad at players all the time. <laughs> Fucker struck out. What kind of bullshit pitch was that? We do it all the time. Mm-hmm. Luis Severino, guy was supposed to be the ace of the Yankees. And the Yankees hadn't really had an ace in a long time. CC Sabathia was the last one. And even his tenure was very up and down. It was far from fluid. Um, he got us the World Series victory. But after that, it was a lot of bumps in the road. Um he saw the light at the end of the tunnel and got past his personal issues and ended up finishing the contract strong. Um, so that was amazing to see. But, you know, we're mm-hmm. talking about the New York Yankees here. Yankees should have a number one pitcher probably most years. They shouldn't go along. They shouldn't go five plus years without a bonafide ace. It's almost seems like no. it's, it's, it's unbelievable that that was even a reality. And Luis Severino was, was seemingly that guy. Um, and then, like you said, we have the playoff game snafu start, which kind of threw off that ALDS. I don't know how that happens. We have the unreported elbow pain. Why are we doing that as professional athletes? Why are we not <laughs> reporting our injuries when there is a world-class or what we think is a world-class medical staff ready to help you in any capacity that they can? Um, and then that groin injury really like kind of threw me for a loop. He was acting as if like his leg fell off and it ended up being a grade one groin strain, um, which bugged me, which is none of my business. It shouldn't bug me. It's, it's not my injury, but like it scared everybody to think that he suffered another, you know, very serious injury that was going, that we, you know, potentially might not have seen him again. If he had missed all of all of last year and not shown anything, if, if that groin injury was the end, like just causing me unnecessary stress, man. The pain was that bad for a grade, grade one groin train. They get to be carried up. Maybe it was. I don't know. None, once again, none of my business. I'm just venting here. Uh, I don't Getting know. mad at players. Yeah, I don't want to get mad at players. Um, and now you look at Severino, seemingly on the mend, had a good end of the season as a, as a, a member of the bullpen. We liked watching it. However, a couple of things to talk about here. I even think you suggesting 140 innings for next year is a little wild. Um, I think Sure. I think it's possible. I just... The man's thrown 27 and two-thirds innings since 2019. We had a loose projection of what? Jamison Tyone, like, maybe throwing 130 this year after him pitching, like, 36 innings since um, the start of 2019. That was two years. Luis Severino's going on three years of largely inactivity. He has pitched far less than both Corey Kluber and Jamison Tyone um, with an additional year baked in than both of those guys were pitching 
than both of those guys had pitched coming into 2021. Um, and he's shown no ability to stay healthy. And it's, it's, it's every different kind of injury. It's a little nagging injury. It's a serious shoulder injury. It's elbow pain that turns into Tommy John surgery. It's a hangover that turns into a year absence. Um, it, it, I just don't know how Yankee fans are being realistic and thinking that he can be a number two behind Garrett Cole without there being a plan. I think that there is a potential for him to be a number two down the stretch. I think there has to be some sort of scenario where maybe he starts off the year as a reliever and they stretch him out. If you look towards the end of last season, he made his first appearance, I think, on September 21st, which is crazy. Absolutely crazy. Um, went two innings through 30 pitches. Then four days later, he goes two innings again, 37 pitches. And then three days later, he goes one inning for 15 pitches. And two days mm-hmm. later, he goes one inning for 16 pitches. So absolutely no, they, they did the reverse of stretching him out. They gave him more innings and more pitches, and then they took down the pitches and then they took down the inning. So I don't know what the plan was there. I, 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 I don't know what they were trying to figure out. It was obviously at that point, I totally understand. It was impossible to build him up to be a starter by the time the postseason arrived. And even at that point, they had one playoff game. It's not like they were going through the ALDS to have a holy, uh, you know, a, a giant formulated um, strategy to unleash him in a larger capacity. But to not think ahead for 2022 to give him this low of a workload. And guys, he only threw like 10 innings in minor league ball in his rehab assignments. That it's that's nothing. That's hard. That's not. That's barely over a complete game. So he pulled. He pulled himself from a start at AAA yeah. and said he just doesn't feel right. Yeah. Like his shoulder just doesn't feel right. That was another one. Like two of his rehab stints got upended before they began. And so it was like, are we ever going to see him? Yeah. I mean, no. Clearly, we're not. We keep getting data that we're not. And then miraculously, he's fine and healthy by the end of the year. And they hold him back. Uh, as an eighth inning, seventh inning guy for a playoff run that never comes. But there were so many false starts that even when he showed back up, it was like, oh my God, Luis Severino's on the roster. That's great. But at no point watching that was I like, oh, he's going to be my number two starter next year. I'm very confident. Yeah. And the innings count is very concerning. We just, we just saw what happened with Corey Kluber. He, he didn't last, he lasted 15 starts. Jamison Tyone, another injury kind of held him back, but um, look at look at how he performed up until July with all those with all those setbacks. Um, Severino, I don't know how. Like I said, there needs to be a plan to build him up. Maybe he's first half of the year in the bullpen. Unleash him as a starter for the second half of the year. Keep him in the one hundred to one twenty range. Use him for the postseason. I don't know how realistic that is. And then you have to consider he's got a fifteen million dollar team option for twenty twenty three. Are the Yankees going to pick that up if he proves he can't start? I don't think so. It's got a $2.75 million buyout, but like if you have the chance to clear another, you know, 12, 13 million if you're the Yankees and someone's, and you want to talk about injury troubles, they're ready to ditch Luke Voigt for who's owed 5 million. You don't think they're going to ditch Luis Severino, or I don't think they're keeping him on as a bullpen piece for $15 million a year after what they just saw go down the toilet with the Roldis Chapman and Zach Britton. So um, it's a complicated situation. They need a plan. I'm, I'm not relying on Luis Severino to be my number two. I hope it happens. There is no way, based on the evidence we've seen over the last three years, that that's going to come anywhere close to fruition. No chance. And speaking of things we don't want to see develop, we're now in the portion of the offseason where everybody is just submitting trades for your approval, and we we have to entertain them. We have to take them as not as gospel, but as something worth uh, discussing at the very least. 
Matt Olson is becoming less and less of a Yankee every single day. I think it's fair to say this. I think the Yankees, I made this point to Colin, they were they were wise to wait on the free agent market, right? I, I understand why they did that. There is going to be a frenzy when the doors open again, and I don't know if that means they're going to get Carlos Rodon or try for any of the top shortstops. Don't think they will. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But, you know, depending on whatever they want, there is certainly going to be a weirder pool of options for like a Kyle Schwarber or a Rodon at the end when the curtain is lifted. And I understand why you would want to join that frenzy instead of quote unquote overpaying before the lockout, before everybody figures out their finances, before we have a new CBA and a new luxury tax line, etc. But in terms of trades, I don't know what in what world waiting forever to trade for Matt Olson to invite more people into the Matt Olson fray helps you out as the New York Yankees. You, you know, you're waiting until uh, March 8th, March 20th. Like when do we, I mean, I I'm throwing out estimates that don't even feel it's, it's February 14th and we're not moving anywhere close to getting this done. So you, you move, uh, you know, just to, let's say mid March, just to say something, but if you say mid-March, all of a sudden, the, so the Braves don't have Freddie Freeman locked down. The Dodgers have Max Muncy recovering from surgery, and they need a universal DH. They might sign Freeman. They might leave the Braves for Olsen. Either one could trade for Olsen. The Rangers could supposedly trade for Olsen because they've been spending like crazy. They already signed not one but two shortstops away from the Yankees. It feels like the Yankees had an exclusive negotiating window for Olsen in the middle of November, and I'm not just saying this because of the one-yard line guy and all that bullshit. But it did feel like they had a clear, genuine, obvious need at first base, a clear fit between the two sides. If they had included Oswald Peraza, maybe this deal is done. Instead, they took their foot off the gas pedal. They refused to include him as the report came out. Now a ton of other teams are sort of invested and floating around the pool for Matt Olson. And now Cleveland Guardians insider Paul Hoynes is joined the fray saying, well, why don't the Guardians trade for Matt Olson? I do think treating this as legit rumor sourced in the way Jack Curry usually drops stuff like, hey, keep an eye on XYZ might be interesting. Mm -hmm. And then it happens like a week later and everybody knows Jack Curry knows what's up. I think Paul Hoynes is more disconnected from the Cleveland guardians front office than that. And this is kind of just him going, Hey, why the hell not us? Matt Olson's cheap two year superstar MVP candidate jumpstarts a rebuild around Jose Ramirez. You got the rotation. You, you, you think you're, you know, you're adding Olson to Fran Mil Reyes and Ramirez. You're thinking that might be enough to push your team over the top in the central where the white Sox. You know, they won the division last year, but they didn't exactly distinguish themselves in the way that most of us thought they would. They're like a 92, 93 win division champ last year. A lot of us thought they're going to be 97, 98, run away with it. The Tigers and Guardians are both pretty good. I mean, counterpoint, I'm not sure why the Guardians want to. I mean, what are they, an 82 win team right now? You add Olsen, you're an 87 win team, and a lot of things break your way. You think they're, I, I mean, I, I, I think that's their, I think that's their ceiling. Okay, yeah. that, that's the, the thing where I'm saying I don't I don't think they are that good. And so I'm I'm doing quick math and adding a lot of what ifs and if then then that will happen to like to the Guardians roster and I'm getting them to 86 87. I can't figure out how they get past that. They don't have the rotation I mean that people claim they do. They have Tristan McKenzie and they've Shane Bieber who was injured last year, but Police Act took a step back. Aaron Savali is nothing more than like an interesting number 4 totally viable guy to have in the rotation, but it, he's not going to be part of my argument for why they should go out and get Matt Olson and stun the Yankees and, and go three, four Olson Ramirez and go win the central and make a run. Like all of this is to say that 
a Matt Olson Guardians rumor is not what I expected to read on Monday morning. It still doesn't feel sourced. It just feels like speculation. And, you know, what fan wouldn't want to hear from their local beat writer? You know, what if we went and got superstar player on the market? Um, you know, Bobby Bradley is a first base prospect, still hasn't panned out quite yet. What if we just upgraded him immediately for Matt Olson? Like, what fan doesn't want to hear that? I don't think the Guardians are in the Matt Olson fray, but I do think that everyone else thinking they have the right to hop into the conversation and say, well, here's what our package would be, proves that the Yankees did blow it by not closing the deal when they had a chance of November. Because now everyone got that hope. Not, not everyone can sign Freddie Freeman. Everyone can trade for Matt Olson. Yeah, I, I was worried from the beginning when we got that report from Andy Martino uh, in regard to the Yankees not wanting to include Peraza. I was like, okay, so they just cool. they just shot them. Then, hey, if that was your plan to see what the athletics, how far the athletics are willing to go, and then your next step is just breaking the bank for Freddie Freeman, I'm okay with that. But I just sure. don't know if the Yankees would do that um, until they prove me wrong and decide to spend in that fashion and be that aggressive with – you know, one of the top players in the game um, outside of Garrett Cole, who was in need, who Yankee fans would have rioted if wasn't signed at that time because we had been lacking an ace for so long. Freddie Freeman's different. He's more of a luxury asset at this point because Luke Voigt is a starting first baseman. He's capable of playing first base. Um, so this type of upgrade is something that the Yankees front office seemingly desires um, and would be of the ilk of Yankees of yesteryear who are spending to just continue to add talent and make the team better and strike fear into all their rivals. Uh, however, um, I don't know. The Rangers kind of make sense in Matt Olson stuff, but that's an interdivisional trade. So I don't know how willing the A's would be, will, uh, would be to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the funny thing is, is you look at the Rangers, the Yankees gave them four prospects in that Gallo, Joely Rodriguez deal. And one's already at the MLB level, Glenn Otto, and the other three are make up the Rangers' top 13 per MLB.com. So <laughs> the Yankees may have given the Rangers the ammo to not only you know uh, get an MLB pitcher in Glenn Otto, who I think is going to be pretty good. He made his MLB debut last year with the Rangers, and he has nasty stuff. And then potentially give them more to acquire an asset like Olsen, because those guys could interest the A's. Who knows? Um, I think the Guardians is a is a reach here. This team is full on rebuilding. I know I, they did win eighty games last year. Holy shit! I didn't think they were that that yeah. effective. There but you, yeah, you're there right. There you go. Yeah, um, they most a lot of their top prospects are nearing their MLB debuts, and this team has ample holes on the roster that should theoretically be filled by younger talent ready to take over and you know, uh, foster in the next generation of Guardians baseball post-name change and all that. Um, so I don't know why they would kind of want to gut that. You're trading two top, potentially top five prospects for Matt Olson, I think, um, based on his salary and the fact that he's controllable through 2023. Um, so I don't know why the Guardians would want to chop off the top, a, a, a top aspect of their farm system to import Matt Olson when they still have ways to go to compete with the white. I know, I know the white Sox didn't exactly run away with the division, but I think if push came to shove, the guardians need a lot more than just Matt Olson to go wire to wire 162 games with the white Sox in the AL central. Um, 
I, I do think this is more of wheel spinning to convince Guardians fans that, hey, next year is not going to be so bad. Maybe they could look at this low-budget option. Their payroll's only at $40 million. You add Matt Olson, that's $12 million. You're looking at 50 something million. And then maybe you add a picture. $40 million dollar payroll. Yeah. It's wait, yeah. exact $43.1 million. And actually, perfect. The amount of guaranteed contracts they have on the book. So this is like excluding options. It, it's excluding arbitrary, uh, arbitrary arbitration payments is 12 million. So they could cut, they could free, they could be free to make their payroll $12 million if they wanted to. Um, Anyway, they should. Hey, yeah. you know, nobody says everyone's saying you can't win with a $12 million payroll, Cleveland Guardians. You prove them wrong. I would love to see that. Go ahead. It's, how do they get the worst Dolan there than the Knicks Dolan? Yeah. He's a worse Dolan. I have no idea. But if you're, that's, you look at this team and, and it's pathetic. It's, it's Indians. It's in, uh, not Indian, Indians. It's uh, Orioles. Orioles have. 40 37 million committed to the payroll and they've just been in the basement for however long the guardians haven't been that bad so it's at least respectable but i think if they're going to do anything why are you not trading jose ramirez to wait out this white Sox surge because the white Sox are pretty good i think and they're probably going to control they're probably going to control the narrative for at least two more years get rid of jose ramirez import another round of top prospects who are ready to make their MLB debuts within the next one, two, three years, and then be ready for that next surge. That makes the most sense to me. I'm also not a GM. I'm a loser. Um, so yeah, we are, we suck. We're yeah. sucky guys. So I, I'm trying to get the guardians to win with a $12 million payroll. So don't, <laughs> don't, don't listen to me. I'm all in for the weirdness, but yeah, I, I if, if the Guardians jump the line on Matt Olson for you, you'll know your strategy was incorrect. Yes. It's it, the same the same way that people were saying this weekend on Twitter, like, yo, low-key, the Yankees giving Luis Sesso away just to get rid of Justin Wilson's contract actually ended up being pretty bad. And like, <laughs> and the real ones among us had to be like, if you're not licking the Yankees' boots and Brian Cashman, yeah. you know, praising him for every move he makes then you knew at the time that was ownership driven and terrible. It did. It doesn't take months of hindsight for you to be like, wait a minute, we gave away a talented reliever and then didn't use the money we saved. I think that might've been stupid. Like if Matt Olson goes to the guardians, you can judge that one as soon as it hits the wire, by the way, the transaction yes. wire, like you can look at it and go, God, damn, we, we didn't include Oswald Peraza and we lost Matt Olsen to an 80-win team. That's what we did. And you don't need to captain hindsight it, and you don't need to wait until he has 12 homers in April and looks like the new Travis Hafner to go, oh, whoa, it looks like the Yankees actually made it the mistake here. Like, it's actually fair to prejudge stuff. You don't just have to be like, well, let's wait and see. I think Cashman might have another move up his sleeve. No, he doesn't. His actions are all being mandated by ownership, and this was a huge gaffe. Okay, got it. Um, this is definitely an instance where you can do that. Before we sign off, let's talk a little bit about Trevor Story, who, again, not to rain on your parade, but we've been saying the Yankees are probably not going to sign a top value shortstop. And if they do, it'll be Trevor Story on a short-term deal. And if they do that, they might want to move him to center if Aaron Hicks falters and move him around the infield. And and his friend DJ LeMahieu will tell him all about how pleasurable it is to be a utility man for the New York Yankees, and we just pay him out the nose, $60 million for two years, move him around like a puzzle piece, and then he gets to walk on to the Astros or Mariners or whoever wants to give him five or six years. 
two years from now. Well, story says he doesn't want to move positions. So it's that simple. If you're signing him, he's your shortstop. Yeah. For two years, for six years, for seven years, the Boston Red Sox aren't going to step in and make him a center fielder. I would say the Red Sox are likely to either sign Carlos Correa or none of these people, but also I don't think they're that likely to do that. Um, but they were a star, a story dark horse. Oh, what if he's a center fielder? What if he's the left fielder? What if he's a shortstop and Bogarts is the second baseman for 20 games? And they flip back. I don't know. Um, all I know is that we were considering doing that on the Yankees roster. The Yankees have lacked a true center fielder for a long time. Aaron Hicks is not a 160-game center fielder. Joey Gallo made sense out there, never played there. Trevor Story made some sense out there. He's saying now he won't do it. So mark that one off your whiteboard. If you're signing Trevor Story, you're doing it so he is your starting shortstop. And I don't think you're going to get that done on a value rebuilding contract for two years anymore. No, but, but I think, no, but I think this helps the Yankees. Uh, for, yeah. I think it helps the Yankees a little bit. Um, we're talking about the dream infields from a couple weeks ago. Um, and if the Yankees are willing to spend, if the, the Yankees are willing to go into the 240 million, 250 million payroll range just for one year, um, they could do this story on a one-year $30 million contract. If he wants to remain at shortstop, to me, based on what we're hearing, there were some teams that wanted to move him to second or third, or there was speculation center field could have been an option last year at the deadline. Um, if there is any doubt that Trevor Story may not be able to play shortstop because of his one-down season, it was literally one-down season in 2021. Um yeah which I don't know how anybody in that situation in in Colorado doesn't have a bad season, like demoralized top to bottom after the Nolan Arenado trade, your owner and GM come out and they're awful people. It turns out not really surprising, but um, just the most uninspiring stuff from (laughs) uh, a a billionaire to talk like you gave, not only did you give Nolan Arenado away, you got a whatever trade package in return. And then you gave the Cardinals $50 million dollars to subsidize his contract and then made him promise St. Louis that he wouldn't opt out, even though he had an opt out and he was threatening to use it in Colorado. So um, I think that in many ways, the morale there hurt Trevor Story's campaign. Um, And there clearly is some sort of doubt that he may not be able to last at shortstop. um, Despite the fact what he's going into his age 29 season. Uh, Is that right? I think uh, I'm pulling up baseball reference now, but yeah, he, that was his age 28 season, still OPS, 801, had a 103 OPS plus. Uh, talk about course Field all you want, still stole 20 bags, 24 homers. This is a, one of the best players in MLB at his position. So if there's any doubt, here's why it works in the Yankees' favor. So if there's any doubt from other teams that are looking at him on the market, hey, we'll sign you to a five, six-year contract, but – um, you know, in two years, we're, we're going to think about moving you off shortstop, especially if this next year doesn't go well. Um, yeah. And even if this next year does go well, it's going to be open for interpretation because we might want to move things around and figure it out. If Trevor Story wants to solidify his value as a shortstop and kind of get out of the shadow of this year's market, this year's market was tough, guys. Corey Seager off the board. Marcus Simeon, I know he's more of a second baseman, but still has most of his MLB experience at shortstop off the board. You have Carlos Correa, who's probably going to land the biggest contract. Um, and uh, you had Javier Baez, who um, is one of the better all around players in the league at that position as well. So he's had a lot to compete with this off season. If Trevor story wanted to say sign a one year deal and hit the open market again next year, 
I know there is some concern about next year. Xander Bogarts can opt out of his contract. Trey Turner and Dansby Swanson are both free agents. I would and I think guess, Bogarts will. Yeah. yeah. I would guess two of those three guys will have an extension by the end of the season. Um, if the, Bra- the Braves are going to let Freeman go, I mean, you got to keep Swanson. He's been there for so long, and he's he's a defensive whiz. And then you're talking about the Dodgers and Trey Turner. I don't know if the Dodgers, with the tumultuous offseason they've had, I don't think they can let a guy like Trey Turner go when they've when they've ha- now we're going to have him for a year and a half and can convince him and sell him on Los Angeles. You go in and if you're Trevor Story, you want a one year big money deal. You're playing in a stacked lineup who is that that's going to undoubtedly help you see more pitches, hit more home runs, do more with everything. Um, make the money for one year, rebuild the value, enter next year's free agency, hopefully with a much smaller class or a class where you're closer to the top than this year, um, especially because he was coming off a down year. And because I think consensus wise, people are saying Corey Seager, probably better. Carlos yeah. Correa, probably better. Marcus Simeon, two top three MVP finishes over the last three seasons. Um, so it was kind of hard to compete. And then you have Javier Baez, who's a World Series champion um, and is a versatile infielder willing to play second base if you need him to. Um, so, hey, Trevor Story, one-year deal with the Yanks, helps us compete for 2022, maybe bring home a World Series with a stacked roster, keeps the Yankees' philosophy intact with allowing one of these top prospects to come up and play by 2023 or 2024, um, and helps out everybody. Story can enter his free agency, age 30 season. Plenty of players are getting paid at their age 30 seasons. We're seeing it every single year now. Um, so just some food for thought. If he's if he's that serious about not being uh, bouncing around the infield or experimenting in the outfield, and he needs to prove again that he's really – that shortstop, that team, you know, it, it, hey, why, why do you think that I'm anything else but a shortstop? I played shortstop mm-hmm. my entire career. I'm one of the best in the league. It sucks that he has to kind of prove it again if this is what teams are talking about. But, hey, here's the opportunity to do it. I think it's a good match if it's if it's possible. I love that. I hadn't actually thought of that one-year angle. I mean, you're right. Story doesn't have what anybody else in the shortstop market had. He doesn't have the playoff pedigree of Corey Seager. He doesn't have the best player in baseball status of Carlos Correa. He wasn't one of those guys coming up in the bit. Nobody knew who Trevor Story was outside of Denver and outside of the real seamhead prospecting community. Like he wasn't one of those guys who you didn't stop and stare when you knew Trevor Story was going to make his MLB debut. He's had to fight to be an all-star. He's had to fight to be a guy at the center of these proceedings. And he is less famous than Javier Baez, Marcus Simeon. It's arguable. They're very close. Yeah. But Corey Seager, Carlos Correa, Javier Baez, all those people are far more famous than Trevor Story. So it's not shocking He's been discarded a little bit. I would absolutely pay one year, one year, $35 million for Trevor Story. I don't care. I don't more, care at more. all um, if you want to slot him in there. And again, you know, we're seeing Gio Rochella working out at short with Clay Torres, and we're going to write about that in a little bit. Um, but that, w- which would you rather pay an all-star or move your third baseman who wasn't very good last year to shortstop full time? I know what I would rather do, um, but let's open up the comments. Let's hear from you. We're, uh, we're live on YouTube. On Mondays and Thursdays at 2 o'clock Eastern, we'll be back in three days. Very important that you join us. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us that five-star review we talked about earlier. Put a mailbag question in there. If you want to, hell, rip us to shreds in in your five-star review. I don't care. As long as you drop the fifth star, mark all the stars down. You can say whatever you want. That's it for this week's episode. I hope you assume that when I started this monologue, which I, I thought that was plainly obvious. 
But just in case, I'll, I'll say it again. That, that's it for this week's episode. Until next time, you can find me on Twitter. I'm Adam Weiner. That's my given name. I promise you, birth name. It's on the certificate. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weinrib. Thomas Carinante, where can the people find you? Uh, my birth name is actually at Tommy's Takes. Uh, cool. It's pretty great. You can find me there, guys. You can find us on the official uh, Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. Head on over to YanksGoYard.com. Um, plenty of content there. A lot of ideas. Spinning the wheels. Updating you on lockout info. Um, a lot of fun. We're having it. Uh, have a great Valentine's Day. Treat, you know, treat the people close to you that you love nicely. Uh, give us that five-star review. Love is in the air. Feel it. Experience it. And be good, people. We'll talk to you again on Thursday. Absolutely. Happy V-Day. Uh, I'll be dining inside this Valentine's Day in my home. I'm not going anywhere. But if you want to go somewhere, blessings to you. Uh, and we'll see you on Thursday. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.